All right, amen. Well, I just found out that I only had 15 minutes, and so now I have to cut some things out of my sermon. I'm just kidding. My dad stole my joke, though, because I told it at home, and then he got up there and said it here, and I'm like, come on, Dad, that's my joke. And so, no, we only got 15 minutes, so we've got to hurry because God laid something on my heart. I just want to share with you in Nehemiah chapter 9, uh, and really we're just going to go by, verse by verse in this chapter, and we'll see how far we get. Uh, and we run, if we run out of time, we run out of time. That's okay. Uh, but uh, Nehemiah chapter 9, I was reading this uh, passage the other day. Um, yesterday, actually, I was reading it. And uh, the Lord spoke to me, and as I kept re- reading, uh, the Lord just kept speaking to me and just kept speaking to me and just kind of hit me over the head with something. And uh, really, uh, really what my desire this, this evening is to just encourage you, just, uh, uh, you know, lift you up, hopefully um, remind you of some things. And so we're here in the book of Nehemiah. If you get to chapter 9, and if we have time, I'd love to go over the entire book of Nehemiah because it's just so packed with uh, truths and um, lessons that you can, you can get from reading this book. But if you start in chapter 1, there's a simple man named Nehemiah. He's, a, he's a, your common man. Um, and he works, for the, he works for the king. He works in the king's court. But he does the same thing that you and I do every day. And uh, he was told by his brother that the city of Jerusalem, the walls were burnt down. And he didn't live in Jerusalem, so... He was burdened about coming back to Jerusalem and rebuilding the walls. So when you get to chapter 9, uh, they, they just kind of, they finished the walls. They finished building the walls. They finished rebuilding the, 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 the city. And, and right here, they're, they're getting ready to go to church, pretty much. They, they, they set up a pulpit. They set up, uh, you know, what would be our typical church. And they get the people, sur- the people are all there. And we'll see right here in Nehemiah 9, go to verse 1. It says, Now in the twenty and fourth day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloth and earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. So you can see right here, verses 1 and 2, they're, getting, they're all getting together. They're all getting ready. In verse 3, and they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God one-fourth part of the day. And another fourth part they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for just giving me an opportunity to preach. God, I pray that you'd use me, speak through me, God. Lord, I thank you just for this time that you've given us. Lord, I pray that you would show up in a mighty way, God. I pray that you'd use this to your honor and your glory and everything I pray. In your name I pray. Amen. So... We'll skip down to verse 5. We'll just go verse by verse and I'll just show you some things. If I had to title this, it would be, Ain't God Good? Ain't God Good? So if you go down to verse number 5, it says, Then the Levites, Jeshua and Cadmiel, Bani, Hashbaniah, Sherebiah, Hodijah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah, said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. And blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein, and thou preservest them all. And the hosts of heaven worship to thee. When I was reading that, I was just, I, I was amazed by all these people. They, they had just finished the building of the wall. So they were all pretty much weary. If you go in Nehemiah, it looks that they had a sword in one hand and they would have a building tool in the other hand. They were defending their city as well as building it at the same time. And they were coming under direct fire of all their neighboring countries. You know, there was people around them. They were making fun of them. They were mocking them. They were beating them. And they were were just, these people were discouraged. 
These people were trodden. These people were, were, were hard at work and they, and they were just wanted to rest. And the, finally the work's over and they all get together. And they all just start praising the Lord. I would have been exhausted. I would have been tired. And if somebody would have came to me, they're like, hey, let's go to church. I'd have been like, man, I don't feel like it. But all these people, after their work, after all of their hard work, they show up and they all get together. And they all start praising the Lord and blessing the Lord. And you can see it right there. It says, stand up and bless the Lord your God forever. Keep in mind, they already spent the fourth of the day standing up and reading the Word of God. I would have been tired. I would have been like, man, I just want to sit down. But they say right here, stand up and bless the Lord. Really quickly, I just want to notice a few things. You can see in verse 5 and 6, the height of God. That He has control over everything and He's worthy of our praise. You can look and see the sovereignty of God. In Psalms 19, 1-3, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day under His speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. You can see that God is sovereign in this world. And they notice that. They, they, they take notice of that right here in Nehemiah. They say, Lord, You're great. God, you, you, You're in control of this world. God, you, you made this world. You can see that it's sustained by God. They notice that right there in Psalms 5. And they say, I'm sorry, in verse 5. And in Psalms 24, 1 through 3, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? You can see that the world, God is sovereign all over the world. But God also sustains the world. He's the one who made it. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, it's going to say, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You know, you're going to find people in these days that are going to say that that's not true. That that's some, you know, just some story tales, some fairy tales. And I'm sure there was people in Nehemiah's day who would say the same thing. You know, if you would look through Nehemiah, they had, they had mockers. They had people who would say, hey, this is just, you know, these walls aren't going to come to nothing. And I'm sure they had people that would tell them, hey, your God's nothing. Your God isn't anything. And there's, there's these people in Nehemiah right here who are saying, hey, I know my God is something. And they said, thou, even thou art Lord alone, thou hast made heaven. So you can see the, Israel, the Israelites right here, even though few in number, even though tired, even though you know, discouraged, they could still say, hey, God's good, and God's sovereign, and God has sustained the earth. You can look, lastly, that the earth is structured by God. In Colossians 1, verses 15 through 17, it says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So right here you have the people of the Israelites and Nehemiah, they're tired, they're discouraged, but they're sitting here, they're saying, hey, God's in control. Hey, God sustained the world. Hey, God's created the world. God's sovereign over the world. Everything that happens in this earth is ordered by God. So you're gonna, you can sit in your life and you can look at the world and you can say, man, this is a discouraging time. My dad mentioned it this morning. He said, man, I just don't look at the news anymore. And for good reason. It, it, it's discouraging. You can, you can feel uh, tired. You can feel exhausted. You feel like you have a burden when you look at the news. But can I say, the people of Israel, they got together and they opened this book and they saw that God was sovereign. They saw that God sustained the world. They saw that God created the world and He put everything in its place. And they saw that God was the one that runs this world. They say kings are established by God. You know, everything might look crazy right now, but it's, it's controlled by God. It's sustained by God. You can see the height of God, and they notice the height of God, how, how, how high he was. 
And that was something I noticed. Just They noticed God. They noticed who He really was. A lot of times as Christians, we just need to sit back. And in Psalms it says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we just got to sit down. You know, maybe, hey, come to church. That's what they did. They came to church and they realized, oh, this is who God really is. He's holy and He's lifted up. You look at the height of God, but you can also look at the history of God. He's never failed us. Look at verse 7. It says, Thou art the Lord the God who didst chose Abraham and brought him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees and gavest him the name of Abraham. Aren't you glad that he changed your identity? It, right there it says, and he's about the, the Israelites are about to go through the history of Israel really quick. They're about to do a quick synopsis of Israel and everything that happens there. And they go back to the beginning, and it says, And he chose Abraham and brought him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees and gavest him the name of Abraham. You can see the history of God in your life as well. When you got saved, God changed your identity. It says, when you read your Bible, it says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So God changed your identity. You can see the history of God in your life. In verse number 8, it says, And founded his heart faithful before thee, and made a covenant with him to give the land, the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Jebusites, and the Girgashites, to give it, I say, to his seed, and has performed thy words, for thou art righteous." In verse 9 it says, And didst see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and heard their cry by the Red Sea. So now he's talking about when the Israelites were in Egypt, and, and, and when Moses came by and, and he wanted to, and he wanted to get, set the people free. And I, 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 that kind of jumped out of the page. It says, And did see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and heardest their cries by the Red Sea. You know, in your life, God, God not only gave you a new identity, but every time that you're going through trouble, every time you're going through a valley, you're going through a trial, and you call out to God, you say, God, I need help. God, hears your cries. God not only gave you a new identity, but He hears your cries, and He listens for you. In verse 10, And showed signs and wonders upon Pharaoh and on all his servants and on all the people of his land, for thou knewest that they dealt proudly against them. So didst thou get thee a name as it is this day. And thou didst divide the sea before them, so that they went through dry land. So that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land, and their persecutors thou threwest into the deeps as a stone into the mighty waters. If you go down to verse 12, it says, Moreover, thou lettest them in the day by a cloudy pillar, and in the night by a pillar of fire to give them light in the way wherein they should go. You look at the history of God in your life where He not only changed you, He also hears your cry, but in verse 12 you can see that He, he guides us and He provides uh, light for us. And you can see in Psalms 119.105 it said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God not only changes who you are and He hears your cries, but He sets you on the right path of where you should go and He lights that path for you. If you go down to verse 15, it says, and gavest them bread from heaven for their hunger, and brought forth water for them out of the rock for their thirst, and promised them that they should go in to possess the land which thou had sworn to give. You can see God changed your identity. God also hears you when he cries, and he also lights your way for you. But in verse 15, you can also see that he feeds you, and he, and he gives you water when you need it. In John 6.35, it says, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. 
hey, when you get times in your life, when you feel like you're in a valley, when you feel like you're hungry, when you're thirsty, hey, go to the book. Hey, go to God and say, God, I need some food. God, I need some water. Remember that Samaritan woman at the well when, God, when she said, hey, I just need some water. God said, hey, get a drink of everlasting water and thou shalt never thirst again. Hey, God is here in your life and he wants to give you water. He wants to give you food. And you can see that God in the history of God in your life that he's always done it. He's always given you food. He's always given you water. He's always light your path for you. The goodness of God in your life is just so amazing. And, and, you, and if you really sit down and you look at your life, you say, wow, God is good. Ain't God good? Ain't God good to me? We've got to move on here. It says, and go down to verse 19. No, I'm sorry, in verse 18. Yea, when they had made them a molten calf and said, this is thy God that brought thee up out of Egypt and had wrought great provocations Verse 19, underline this if you can. Yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsookest them not in the wilderness. The pillar of the clouds departed not from them by day to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way wherein they should go. You know, when I was reading that, that just kind of hit my heart. That, yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsookest them not. How many times in our life have we gone to another, another God in our life? Maybe a job promotion, maybe a new car, maybe a new house, or maybe this new project that we're working on. We say, hey, this is our God now. Hey, this is something that we're working on now. Hey, I'm just going to forsake God for a little bit. I'm just going to work on this for right now. And you look at verse 19. This is the history of God in your life. Yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsookest them not in the wilderness. Hey, when you start going after something else, you're saying, hey, I, I, don't, I don't need you right now, God. I'm, I'm going to go after this. I'm going to go and do this. Although, although you've changed me, although you've lighted my path, although you've given me food when I was hungry, and although you've given me water when I was thirsty, although you, you've took me out of the land of Egypt, although you did all these good things for me, I'm still going to go this way. But in verse 19, yet thou manifold mercies... Oh, God's good mercies. Oh, ain't God good in your life to say, hey, I know you're forsaking me. Hey, I know you're ignoring me. Hey, I know you're not wanting me or any, in any sense of the way. But hey, I'm still going to light your path. I'm still going to give you food. I'm still going to give you water. Man, ain't God good. In verse 21, it says, Yea, forty years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness, so that they lacked nothing. Their clothes waxed not old, and their feet swelled not. These children of Israel, and you know the story, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and going and doing their own thing is a mirror of our own life. And every time when we go and do our own thing, we tell God, hey God, I'm going to put you on a different shelf right now. I'm going to go do my own thing for a little bit. And we read the story of Israel and we always think, man, what fools. They totally forsook God. That's the greatest thing they'll ever have. And yet we do it every day. Every Monday when we wake up, we put God on a shelf and we say, we get, we'll get back to you next Sunday. Every Tuesday we wake up, we'll put God on a shelf, we'll get back to you on Sunday. And God's waiting there every time saying, okay, God's a gentleman. God's not going to force his way into your life. He'll let you choose. He'll let you say, he'll let you make the choice. If you want to forsake God, you can. He'll let you. But can I, God is still going to be good to you. You can look at it right there in verse 19. 
The pillar, of the, cloud, the pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way wherein they should go on. Although they had forsaken God and made their own God, they made their own idol, God was still there. You see, God was still good to them. And go down to verse 25, and it says right there, And they took strong cities, and this is after they came back to God, and possessed houses full of all goods, wells digged, vineyards and olive yards, and fruit trees in abundance. So they did eat, and were filled, and became fat, and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. How many times do we put God on a shelf, and we finally get back to him, and then when we finally get back to him, we go to church, and oh man, thy great goodness. Oh man, it's, God's not like some of those friends that when you leave them, and then go back to them, that they, they treat you a little bit differently. They're not like, well, you left me, you did this to me, you, you said something bad about me. No, 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 no. When you come back to God, God has his arms wide open. He says, hey, come back to me. And hey, when you come back, I'm going to have great goodness for you that you can delight in. God's, God is such a God of mercy. And, and, and it astounds me, and I wish I could understand it more, because all the time I forsake him and I throw him aside, and I say, hey, God, I'm going to go do my own thing. And God just stands there and he says, okay, I'll be here when you come back. I'll be here when you want to come back. In verse 28, we'll, we'll, we'll finish up here, and it says, But after that they had rest, they did evil again before thee. Before left, therefore leftest them thou in the hand of their enemies, so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven. And many times, notice that many times, did thou deliver them according to thy mercies. God understands it's going to happen time and time and time again. We're going to push God aside time again, and we're going to end up going back. And we're going to push God aside, and we're going to end up going back. And every single time that you push God aside, and you say, hey, I don't want anything to do with you, and you come back again, many times God's going to say, come back. Arms wide open. It's like the prodigal son, if you know the story of the prodigal son. The son came back and he said, and he told his dad, he said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I took everything that you'd given me and I spent it and I wasted it and I made a fool of myself. Just make me one of your servants. And the dad says, come back, you're my son. You're my son. You know how many times we leave God in the dirt and we say, hey, I'm going to go do my own thing. And then we turn back when the going gets rough. We turn back to God and we say, God, we need you. And God says, I'm right here. God says, I'm right here. Just come back to me. And many times, over and over and over and over again, we're going to leave God, but every time we come back, God's going to be there. Hey, I don't know who you are this evening, and I don't know where you've been. I don't know the things that you've done. I don't know the mess that you've gotten into. But I promise you right now that if you turn around and you say, God, I just want to come back. If you just say, God, I just want to be at your feet again. If you say, God, I just want to be under your household again. God, I just want to be in your roof. God's going to be standing on the porch saying, son, just come back. And when he sees you just a little while away, he's going to run to you. He's going to kiss you. He's going to put his best robe on you. He's urging you to come back. Hey, if you're not with God right now, he wants you to come back. And he's going to say, come back. My arms are wide open. Many times will God open his arms to you and say, son, daughter, just come back to me. He's always done it. It's the history of God in your life. You come back, his arms will be open. Moving on here, we'll see. The holiness of God. And it all goes back to the goodness of God. Look in verse 5. 
halfway down it says, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Look in verse 17, it says, at the, at the latter end it says, But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. Go to verse 32, it says right down there at the end, or verse 31, Nevertheless, for thy great mercy's sake, thou didst not utterly consume them, nor forsake them. For thou art a God, for thou art a gracious and merciful God. Now therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and the terrible God, who keepest covenant and mercy, let not all the trouble seem little before thee, that hath come upon us, on our kings, on our princes, and on our priests, and on our prophets, and on our fathers, and on all thy people since the time of kings of Assyria unto this day. Howbeit thou art just in all that is brought upon us, for thou hast done right, but we have done wickedly. You know, when you want to get back to God, the only thing that you have to do is admit, hey, I've done wickedly. You got, you got to get to that point in your life where you say, hey, I'm, I've messed up. Hey, I, I made a fool of myself. And you can turn back to God and you can say, hey, God, you were doing it right. You were doing it right all along. You know that prodigal son, when he, was in the, when he was in the pig's pen, he came to himself. And it says in the Bible, he came to himself. He realized, he said, hey, what am I doing here? Hey, when you wake up in that pig's pen, you say, and you say, man, what am I doing in the slop of the world? What am I doing in the filth of the world? And you, can, you come to yourself and you say, man, I just want to get back to the holiness of God. They mention it over and over and over again through that whole the history of Israel. They mention it over and over and over again. Man, God's good. Man, God's full of mercy. Man, God's full of patience. Man, God's full of everything that's good. And just going through and, man, reading through this chapter and just putting myself in the place of Israel, just putting myself in their shoes. Oftentimes we can sit there and read about them and think, man, they're such fools. But we never even realize that if we look in a mirror, we did the same thing. We'd often put God on a shelf. We'll go and do our own thing. Man, if we knew what was right for us, man, if we knew what we actually deserved, we'd be able to praise God more. Man, if you think about it, David says in Psalms, who am I? No, he says, what is man? Isaiah says, who am I? Paul says, oh, wicked man that I am. No, he says, I can't think of it. But he says it in, in that sense. Oh, wretched man that I am. That's what he says. Oh, wretched man that I am. You know, Paul, Isaiah, David all knew who they were. They knew they were undeserving of God's goodness. They knew they were undeserving of God's open arms. Because if you look in the lives of Paul and you look in the life of David and you look in the life of Isaiah, they all forsook God at one point. They all, they all, they all threw God aside at one point. They go, oh, no, I've never done that. I've, I've never forsaken God. I've never thrown him to the side. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. If you think you're so high and mighty that you've never forsaken God, maybe it's time for you to get on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry I've been such a fool. God, I'm sorry I've been so full of pride. God, I'm sorry I thought I was perfect. I thought I did everything right. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one. We're all so filled with pride. We're all so filled with rotten sin. Sometimes we don't even realize our, the own errors of our own right ways. 
But if you truly got on your knees and said, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I want to come back to you. God, with open arms, will say, hey, come back. Come back, son. You can delight in his ways. You can delight in his goodness. You can delight in his mercy because God is a God of mercy. Ain't God good? Ain't God good? You know, I think of that song, Ain't God Good, to give us so many blessings, undeserving. That's what I am. I hope that's an encouragement to you. I, I, I don't want to beat you up today. I don't want to bash you. I want to encourage you. Hey, if you're not where God wants you to be, come back to him because he'll be, he'll be ready for you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today, Lord. God, I thank you for just being good to us, Lord, when we don't deserve it. God, I pray that you just fill us with your spirit. Help us to walk with you, God. Help us to lose all form of pride. I pray all these things in your wonderful name. Amen.